Welcome back. This episode, we have the Pastor Kurt Harlow. Hey, Dina. He pastors at our Auburn campus, and we're going to be having a conversation that I guess we were the most qualified for, which is, isn't the church just filled with hypocrites and judgmental people? And so Mark and Dom thought, wow, we'll just let Kurt and Dina take this one because they're so hypocritical and judgmental. Between all the duties of planting a brand new campus and you and I work with the Thrive College students and all the senior role and everything. They thought, yeah, he's an expert on hypocrites. Bring him in for the hypocrites week. There so. we go. <laughs> and the heart of this podcast, if, if you're just joining in for this episode, is we want to tackle the challenges to Christianity in our modern day culture. And this one is huge. Like yes. if you, if you, go to hashtag deconstruct on Instagram and you just track why are people leaving the church? This has got to be one of the number one reasons. People are feeling that what people say about their faith and how they live their lives, how they interact with people, how they treat people, they just don't want to be associated with that. It, it reeks of hypocrisy and judgment and they want nothing of it. So yeah, it's where do the, we go? It's the number one issue, Dana. It's not one of the number ones. It is the number one. Uh, Barna did a survey a few years ago asking um, people that don't go to church why you don't go to church. Their first six answers were non-evidential. <laughs> okay. In other words, it didn't matter about the resurrection evidence, didn't yeah. matter about can I trust the Bible, didn't matter about did David do what he di- said he did, or none of that mattered. The first six ones were some form of this issue. Wow. Then a few years, uh, just even more recently, they asked people in their 20s, why do you no longer go to church? The all the reasons. All the reasons. All of the Not reasons. For six. No one said um, Pokemon. <laughs> no one said Teletubbies. Yep. No one said Starbucks having a war against Christmas. <laughs> no, what they said in, in three big categories was too judgmental. Mm-hmm. Not very nice, mm-hmm. completely and entirely controlling. Mm-hmm. Uh, no agency. I couldn't ask a question. Right. I was that was looked down upon. Yeah. And so we have got to go after this one. And the good news, is I think the Bible speaks to this very directly. It's not a new problem. Right. So yeah. I was teaching on this particular question at our Davis campus this weekend, and I said this one's an odd one because you know, first of all, the answer is kind of yes. Yes. Like all these other questions, yes. we're going to you know, try to tell you, uh, no, we're, we're missing Christianity. But when it comes to this question, isn't the church just filled with hypocrites and judgmental people? The answer is actually yes. If you have been in a church, and I grew up in a church, I was a pastor's kid. You have a different faith journey. But I mean, I grew up knowing the underbelly of the church. And I would say, I love the church, but man, there are some hypocrites but myself included. I would yeah, put myself my, in that my, game. Like my grandfather's old uh, dachshund, that underbelly dragged on the ground quite a bit. Yes. So, okay, here's what I want to do, Dina. I want to. I got three ideas about this, and I know you preached on it and I preached on it, <laughs> and you've been here kind of in this podcast. So I'm going to give you my three ideas, and you tell me where I'm wrong. Okay, okay? perfect. And then you could give me I'll any ideas. I'll judge you on yes, the basis of it. judge me on the basis. Okay, here's my first one. You already said it is. The reason that people think they're hypocrites in the church is because there are hypocrites in the church. And I am the chief among them. The very thing I should do, I do not do. The thing that I uh, shouldn't do, I do. And while I'm doing it, I know I shouldn't be doing it. And I actually think there's some good news in this. The problem, I don't think, is that people see inconsistency in Christians because they... Mm -hmm. 
they understand this. We, as humans, we understand that we struggle. Everyone who's tried to not eat an Oreo cookie after 11 p.m. Yeah. knows that. It's that we pretend right. that we do not have this struggle. Right. It's that somehow in the greatest of Christian doctrines, which is uh, the depravity of man, the, the fallenness of our soul, we want to kind of be that, that we're totally sanctified already. It's any air or feeling that we are denying that idea. Um, when you sh- come with the soft, broken answer, you can say the same two things. Hmm. The first one you say in brokenness and the second one you say in arrogance, and it's the exact same words. Hmm. And a non-Christian will go, see, that's what I'm talking about, that yeah. arrogance right there. Yeah. It's So it's the arrogance. So here's my solution. Well, first of all, give me your thoughts, and I'll tell you my solution yeah. to that. I mean, I think it's 100% true. I think ultimately there's a bad understanding of, what Christianity is and what the church is. Mm. So if you're coming at this problem and you're just trying to assess what is Christianity all about and all you've encountered, you've never encountered Jesus, you've never encountered the Bible, all you've encountered are Christians and what they say and what they do, man, I am so sorry because we we're rough. Like Like if you hop on Instagram and you go follow a bunch of leading Christian accounts, there are some really ugly characteristics. There are some Mm. ugly trends, I would say. But here's the thing, that actually is a reflection of what Christianity itself teaches about human nature, is that, you know, it's not God that is the problem. It is not Jesus that is the problem. It is people that are the problem, that Kurt Harlow and Dina Davidson, we are fallen people. We sin. We mess up. We are in need of a Savior. Yes, that's right. And so if all you're expecting when you walk into a church is a bunch of good people, if you meet a pastor and you're expecting him to actually live out what he preaches, you are doomed to disappointment. Because what if Christianity is true, then what is true about pastors and the people within the yeah. church is not that we are good people and definitely not that we are better people, but that we are simply bad people in need of a savior. Yeah, and Jesus right. is that savior. So I was at a major Southern university. Shall remain done. Starts, starts with a T and ends with a U lane. <laughs> and, um, and we were doing this uh, open Q&A in a dorm cafeteria. Mm. Super noisy. Not a great environment to do open Q&A. But that's the only lounge this, this dormitory had. And the questions were really good, but after about 45 minutes, we shut it down. It was just impossible over all the clanking and everything. Yeah. And I started to leave because we had a number of open Q&As in dorms scheduled. And this guy just makes a beeline for me across the room, just run across the room. Uh, he's a bigger guy. Uh, and, I, and I just knew he, he for him to make that much effort. Mm-hmm. So he gets to me. And, uh, and he says, I got a question for you. And he just starts peppering me with questions. Physics, astronomy, math, boom, 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 boom. Statistics about ignorant people in the South believing in God versus the Northern industrial. And this guy's brilliant. I could already tell you. I said, whoa, whoa, slow down. I said, give me your name. Gives me his name. Give me your major, physics. I could have guessed that. Uh, Or maybe biochemistry. And I said, I got one question for you. He said, what is it? And I said, who in the church hurt you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the intensity of which you are asking me these questions Mm -hmm. lets me know that you already have answers for them Mm -hmm. and that you are actually angry at me in in lieu of that person. That's right. And he said, it was my uncle. Mm -hmm. And he told me a very woeful story of an uncle that was a deacon 
that had hurt him profoundly. Mm-hmm. And then he ended it with this, Dean, and this just stayed with me forever. He said, the worst thing, Kurt, is he wouldn't admit it. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't admit it. And this kid had had an intellectual awakening. He'd realized he'd been in a controlling spiritual environment. Yeah. He stayed in the environment, confronted the sin, and no one there would admit it. And what he did is he deconstructed it. We didn't have the word for it then, right. but he left the faith. And I just I just wanted to weep with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it got me really thinking. I think the bottom line problem to this idea of the expectation that Christians should be perfect is that we lack the discipline of confession. Hmm. And, I, you know, it's so funny. We have all these arguments in the church, women in leadership, and, you know, we're arguing right now about Super Bowl commercials. What a, <laughs> right. what a stupid argument. Yeah, Jesus really cares stop about that, that one. Everyone stop that. Um, and what we should be asking this question instead of arguing all this stuff is like when James says, James 5, 2, confess your sins one to another that you would be healed. Mm-hmm. What is the relationship between sickness and lack of confession? That's what I want to know. Right. What is the what is the what is the cost of being unconfessional? Yeah. When is the last time we exhorted one another? And it's not confess to the Lord privately. It's confess one to another, which is hard and scary because we have arrogance and ego. Yeah. We have to normalize confession. <laughs> and I think if we normalize confession. A lot of non-believers go, okay, we've always known you're screwed up, but at least you're being honest with us about it, and it would be create a different atmosphere. So anyway, that's, right. yeah. that's my thing. I, I think the best thing you can do if if you are wrestling with a question, this question, and and you yourself perhaps do believe, you do believe strongly that Jesus is Lord and that he exists and everything that the Bible says is true, but you don't want to be associated with Christians Rather than rejecting that label, I would say, why don't you be part of the group that's trying to redefine it? Because mm. there's a choice there. We're always, it's so easy to walk away from a word like mm-hmm. Christian or, mm-hmm. you know, put your favorite word that you're considering walking away from. But chances are that word at one moment meant something. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you thought about the first time someone was called a Christian, it's recorded in the book of Acts, little Christ. It was a pejorative, like, oh, you little little Christ, you just want to be so like Jesus. I'm not going to walk away from that word. Mm. Rather, I'm going to be part of the group that's trying to redefine that word. Mm. And, and one of the most powerful ways we can do it is just what you're saying, is to start not excusing our party's sin, but instead saying, on behalf of Christians, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. I'm very sorry yes. for what I myself have done and confess the sins of Christianity and just say, hey, I'm not going to argue argue with you on this. I'm just going to confess it and repent. Own it. Soft answer quenches right. breath. Okay. So you already brushed on this a couple of times, but I think related to this idea mm-hmm. that we're all hypocrites, but somehow we project that we're not, um, is another big reason that we see a lot of failure in the church mm-hmm. and a lot of hy- hypocrisy in the church. You know, um, A lack of confession, I think, breeds a, a, a breeds failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also what I think breeds failure is celebrity Christianity. Yeah. So Paul, writing from the city of Corinth, which was the celebrity orator capital of Greece Mm -hmm. says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think every, every Christian era 
needs to ask themselves not what was wrong with the last era or not what's wrong with the person in the denomination across with me, but what is my blind spot? Mm -hmm. And if you go right back to what you said a minute ago, Dina, if you look at our Instagrams, if you look at our TikToks, if you look at what we're doing running our seminars on, you know, I'm going to go spend $2,000 of church money or $5,000 to learn how to use AI. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just ask any (laughs) 13-year-old. What we are all trying to do is grow big ministries, sell lots of books, Mm -hmm. get more funding than we know what we need to do with. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we're on the other side of that fence, which is, complaining about those people and starting websites about those people and being notorious for tearing down this preacher that we think is the sheaf in wolf's clothing. And all of it, actually, I think, or much of it is driven by ego. And much of that ego comes from us emulating our culture. What has cultural cachet? And especially as Christianity loses cultural credibility, we begin to grasp on where does the culture find credibility? Oh, right. well, this preacher is the best orator with the best tennis shoes <laughs> out there. I, I remember the day when four or five Christian leaders confronted me. They said, Kurt, you got a job. At, you're a senior pastor at Bayside Church. It's a big church. You can no longer wear Skechers, Kurt. You cannot wear Skechers. <laughs> you need some better sneakers. And I'm like, I know the Skechers gal at the mall. She gives me a discount. <laughs> That's and awesome. then I also remember another preacher, young preacher, great guy, very talented. And he said, I really like your shirt. And I said, yeah, I like this shirt too. I just got this shirt. And he goes, too bad you can never wear it again. I, what? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're going to preach in it today. And the rule is, oh my the rule That's is that you cannot be a redresser. Oh my goodness. I didn't even know about this. I'm feeling so shamed. Dina, you are the least celebrity leader I know. (laughs) I just want to tell you, you Um, do not have this problem. But I am not cool enough. I do think. Why do we? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm talking too much. I'm getting excited about this topic. I think there's a reason we gravitate towards that. But before Mm -hmm. I give you my reason, tell me what's your reaction to that. What what do you see? Yes. Am I on to anything? You're absolutely on to something. And and we always think, oh my goodness, it's the first time that the church has had to face something like exactly. this, like celebrity Christianity. I mean, I actually, I, I love church history. And I think a lot of people in the skeptical realm, they spend a lot of time thinking about the realm of early church history where Constantine came in and made um, Christianity. He adopted it as his religion and said it's legal to practice Christianity. In their words, they made it the official state religion, which is not quite accurate. But whatever, however you want to say the story, here's the story. It became culturally advantageous to be Mm -hmm. a Christian. So now I think it's at a moment where um, we're starting to shift from this. It's, it's about to be no longer culturally advantageous to be a Christian, but it's still pretty cool to be a preacher. It's still mm. pretty cool to have a following. Mm. It's still pretty cool to have people listen to you. I mean, mm. we're all about fame. And so I just see this as, as the church moving into a place that it should not. And so I would say, beware of anyone that is trying, not that has a following, Mm because you could have a following for a very good reason. Be aware of the person trying to attract a following because Mm. that, that is really not supposed to be an aim or an ambition of a Christian is to have a following for yourself. We are supposed to lift up the name of Jesus. And so I 
I see this problem of celebrity Christianity. And I think the core problem is when the um, when it gets hard. Yes. When it gets hard to yes. follow Jesus, yes. are you going to be faithful to your wife? Yes. Are you going to be faithful to your spouse? Are you yes. going to be faithful to your ministry? When the criticism and backlash comes against you because you're preaching what you believe is true, are you going to be faithful to the truth or are you going to be faithful to your following? Yeah, and, it, it, and that doesn't mean I'm just caustic and oppositional and therefore I don't want celebrity and I don't mind if you burn me at the stake. There's a type of celebrity that is oppositional. Yeah. Um, what it means is I'm a servant leader mm-hmm. and, and, and not redefining that word servant into anything other than I'm doing inconvenient fe- people, inconvenient things for people because Christ did an inconvenient thing for me. Yeah. And I think we have to normalize servant leadership again. I mean, we need a revival in humility and servant leadership. I heard Hal Donaldson uh, talk before a bunch of pastors. He said, I just want to say one thing to you, you know, after all the thanks for the generosity for um, everything that those pastors were doing with Convoy of Hope, he said, we just need a revival of humility. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, man, you could just feel the Holy Spirit in the room when he said that. We need no one to care about anything other than am I a servant leader, fostering servant leaders. I think probably, I'm saying this on a podcast, <laughs> we shut down 50% of the podcasts. Yeah. You know? um, or combine them, I don't know. Yeah. But there's just too much worry about it. I've been preaching at Auburn because we shifted our roles around here a little bit. And so I'm starting our newest campus. And we're not recording anything. We have no online presence. Right. It is so freeing to preach without <laughs> knowing someone's recording yes. you. Um, we just need to stop following that stuff. I think, and here's the reason why. I think there's a couple thoughts here. One is, why are why do we need so much attention? Mm-hmm. I think it's because we're not getting it. And I think that shows a lack of intimacy with the Lord. It shows a lack of affection of his grace. It shows a lack of real fellowship and relationship in our lives. So if we're clamoring for a following or we're clamoring for attention, it's like that child that's acting out because the parent's neglectful. Well, our parent's not neglectful. We're just looking for attention in the wrong ways. And we need to turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, I minister to my heart and my soul and then cultivate friendships. We have to stop networking, start being real friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thought in there. I think another really reason is, is um, we don't understand how toxic celebrity is. Mm-hmm. So we look at the benefit sides of it. Oh, like how bad it is for our own soul. It's very bad for our soul. Right. It's very anti-theology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the opposite of we're all sinners. It's the opposite of we're the body of Christ. And then what's funny about it is if you talk to real celebrities, right. they'll all tell you this. They'll say, the one thing I could wish is I could act and, and no one knew me. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, and the second you take all the money away from them, their answer will probably change. But but yeah. there are people out there literally going, give me the strategy to get out of celebrity mm-hmm. because it's toxic. And I don't think we understand that. I don't think we understand the danger of what we're yeah. touching there. One of my favorite things I ever heard was from Pastor Mark Sayers. He pastors in Australia. And he said, you know, basically whenever culture is zigging, Christianity is called to zag. He's Mm -hmm. like, so if culture zigs, we're called to zag. And so in a fame-obsessed culture, really what you're saying, Pastor Kurt, is we are called to take a different path and to say, I'm not about self-promotion. I am not about me 
attracting or getting anything. I'm about giving my life away. Like Jesus said, you know, you have to be willing to lay down your life, right? Mm. He who does not lose his life cannot follow Mm. Jesus, Mm. right? And so culture is chasing after fame. And I feel like for those that have this objection about, isn't the church just full of hypocrites? Sometimes the pulpit smacks of this. Mm. Sometimes the pulpit, they can just feel the ick of mm. a preacher. And I'll put myself in the in, in that boat. If I walk on stage and you just like, this was about Dina saying what Dina wanted to say and getting a reaction from the crowd so she could go home feeling good about herself. Mm. That smacks of something that people are not interested in because they're overloaded with it when they hop on Instagram. I've never had that experience. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Just, there was one week here where... Rave just preached this message, and I was like, what am I even on this team for? And then the next week, Chris Brown came in and just, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to listen to a sermon sometimes because I'm analyzing it, which Mm -hmm. is all on me, and I forgot it was this. I just listened in. And then I told Ray on Tuesday, I said, man, I better preach well because you guys did so well. And I got really convicted on that. The Lord was like, what? That's it, it's 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 not because I died on the cross for you and because I care for your all right. these sheep in this congregation and it's easy to slip into celebrity. Okay, here's my last idea, Dina. Yep. I want I want your honest opinion on it. And this is my big one. Okay. So yeah, we're hypocrites that don't confess our sin and more confessing. Yeah, we are giving it a celebrity. I think we've conformed to that too much, all of us. Um, and the and the answer, of course, to that is servant leadership. Servant leadership. It's simple and basic as you can make it. Don't redefine it. You know, I'm a servant leader because I study more than you. You know, no, go wash some dishes. Yeah. The third one is this. I think it's control versus surrender. Hmm. So what I've realized being around religious people, you grew up in the church. I did not. So hmm. when I started getting into religious leadership, I was very scandalized by how much ego was involved. Mm-hmm. I was very scandalized by how much jockeying there was for who gets to take the offering at the all pastors retreat or all pastors gathering. Or I was like, does anyone here know Jesus? And I got thinking about this more and more. And then you meet, you meet mean Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had this great pastor. uh, Al Eaton was his name in Tracy, California. He took me under his wing early on when I came to California. And one day he looked at me and says, Kurt, Beware the mean sheep, they bite. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. I was like, there's mean sheep. And he goes, oh, yeah, there's me. He was from Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, there's mean sheep. And um, I got to think about this. Why is there mean sheep? And Jesus himself says there's non-Christians in the body of Christ. Um, and I realized there's two instincts of why people come to religion. One instinct is control, one is surrender. Mm-hmm. So in one, you say to yourself, this world is broken. It's sinful. It's it's chaotic. It's hurtful. Mm-hmm. It's mistrustful. So how do I handle that? Well, I'm going to take this list of rules called religion, and I'm going to beat this chaos into order, or at least around my little world, I'm going to beat it into order because I'm sick and tired of this chaos, and I need some significance, some security, and this club will give me both. Wow. And then there's another side that says, man, this world is chaotic. It's not trustworthy. It's hurtful. It's broken. It's unjust. And I'm a part of it. Yeah. And I've contributed to it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, I fall on my knees. I don't know what to do. Not only can I not solve it, I'm going to make it worse. I know I am. 
and you cry out to God. And then God shows up and goes, Kurt Arlo, I know your name. And by the way, I died on the cross for you. And by the way, I do know you're a part of it. Uh, you and I agree about that. And you're going to be still a part of it. We're going to have to go through this thing called ongoing sanctification and discipleship because you are full of pride and lust and deception and greed. And, and, and one, you have the fatigue of swinging this bat all the time. Yeah. You have this fatigue. I think, you know, like carrying the weight of celebrity mm-hmm. is why people fall. Yeah. It's why big name church leaders fall because that it's a weight. And then on this one, you are constantly compelled to give weight away. Mm. You're constantly reminded, come put that at my feet. Don't don't carry this. My wife had this dream once way a long time ago. And the dream was a bunch of workers were out in the field mm-hmm. and some of the workers would collect rocks and periodically they bring the rocks to the farmhouse and the master would take the rocks and he would crush them. And some of the workers were like, no, nah, I'm going to stay out here and I'm just going to keep collecting rocks. Mm-hmm. I can carry these rocks. I can do this myself. Yeah. And the ones that stayed out there never came back in. They never had the strength. They never, they they, they were carrying too much. And I think we or well, okay, tell me your reaction on that. And I'm going to read my favorite Bible verse, even though pastors are not supposed to have favorite <laughs> Bible verses. So. I got to end myself. I I get fired up about this stuff. (laughs) No, that's really good. I had never thought about it in terms of control or surrender. Mm -hmm. And I like, actually, when you said those words instantly, my brain went to just how so many people in this conversation have been hurt. And the the thing that happens when you get hurt is you you say to yourself, I will never be hurt in this way again. Mm. And I think a lot of the stakes in this conversation are people saying, I don't want to be near Christians. I don't want to be associated with Christianity, willing to lose out on the possible truth of who Christ is because I don't want to be hurt in that way again. Yes, I think even for the person who's been hurt by a hypocrite or a judgmental person, it is a question of control and surrender. So that's where my brain went. A lot of times people get hurt by controlling leadership. This happens in all sorts of institutions, but religion is a particularly easy one mm-hmm. to exhort control over people. And then to avoid the hurt, they become controlling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to control who I talk to, what I think about. I'm not going to, just for that same reason. And it, and it is uh, a cycle of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your favorite Bible verse? Okay. My favorite Bible verse is Titus 2, 11 through 14. When I first realized the implications of this verse, yeah. um, it says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all. That's Jesus. Jesus appeared literally, physically. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Mm -hmm. So hypocrisy is when we say yes to ungodliness. Mm -hmm. So the word there in the Greek is not teaches. It teaches is the NIV saying, let's make this a little bit more readable. I like teaches. It's a good choice because that's exactly what it does in my life. But the word is really trains us, Mm -hmm. which means it's ongoing. It's not one training that Kurt Harlow needs. It's all from here to eternity, literally. I need the grace that has appeared to train me. Mm. So uh, it trains to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So there is nothing about our age that grace cannot teach us to live through in a godly way Mm. while we wait for the blessed hope. Mm. See, I wonder what we're waiting for. Yeah. And I wonder what we're putting our hope in. Anytime Christ is not the central thing we're waiting for and hoping for, 
we, uh, we're creating an environment where failure is very, very likely to happen. Burnout and hypocrisy and probably both. Yeah. So uh, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself of people that are his very own. And here's the definition of people that have been purified, eager to do what is good. Mm-hmm. So I just go, what is teaching you? Now, a lot of times, most people, they're being taught by their willpower, mm-hmm. their own desire to say no to that Oreo cookie, their own desire, and they're just white-knuckling Christianity, and they're just going, yeah. I'm going to do all the rules, and I'm going to do them right, and what they find is they run out of energy, so they're going to go, they say, I'm going to do all the rules while people are watching, mm-hmm. then I'm going to take a breath, and I'm going to do all the rules as long as it, when I need to, to get the the paycheck or the social standing, but when people are not watching, I got to take a rest from that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to my teacher, my trainer is the fact that God came to earth, died in my place when I didn't deserve it, conquered hell and death for me, mm-hmm. gave me purpose in this life and the next. That undeserved sacrifice trains me. So I, I, I can, every situation where I've had a little bit of self-control and I've said, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's not the right thing to do. There's been a moment in there where the Holy Spirit said, you know, you'll get away with this with everyone yeah. but me. Mm-hmm. And my spirit has said, I, I don't want to get away with it with you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to offend you. Now, sometimes I've just sinned and then afterwards went, oh, yeah, I just did that right in front of the Holy Spirit. And I, I missed the training session. Yeah. But the, the fuel of the Christian life, the fuel of holiness, the jet fuel of holiness hmm. is not my pastor said so. This will make you have a better marriage. Um, this will make you an upstanding citizen. The fuel, the jet fuel of holiness is Christ died on the cross for me and conquered death for me, and I didn't deserve any of it, and he loves me even when I sin. That's so good. I have a closing thought. Okay. This is good. Oh, I'm sure it'll be better than everything I've ever said. I don't think there's anything better than, if we could just close on, Jesus died for our sins and he is our trainer, I would close there. But I feel like I have a voice of a skeptic in my brain asking one more question. Let's go. And the question goes like this. Okay, that's great, Pastor Kurt. That's great, Dina, that you're modeling for us humility. You're modeling for us confession. You're owning that Christians have sinned. That's great. I'm going to go hop on another Christian podcast, and they're going to tell me that I'm the problem and that I'm messing up the world. And so which version of Christianity are we really encountering? And so To that question, if that is yours, as we close out this question of, isn't the church just filled with hypocrites and judgmental people? Here's what I would say. In my problems of philosophy of religion class, they taught me this. You always assess a religion by its roots and by its fruits. Mm. Roots are the foundational ideas and teachings of the founder. Fruits are the way that the followers actually practice those teachings. And something that my professor kept on reminding us is it's only fair to assess the fruits insofar as it reflects the roots. Mm. 
And so what I would say is, hey, which version of Christianity are we talking about here? I would say that's your homework, person asking the question. Go read Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus's most concentrated teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. Figure out what you believe about Jesus's teachings and then go assess Christianity as a whole on the basis of whether it's actually living out Jesus's words and teachings, the roots of our faith, or whether it's not. Because what I have found as I've engaged this conversation is the moral indignation that exists inside the heart of the person who is saying the way that Christians are treating people is just not right. Why would you walk away from the guy that said it first? Jesus (laughs) Jesus said it first. Tell, Tell me the sin in a Christian's life that you are opposed to. Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, he probably agrees with you. Go find it in Matthew 5 through 7. Specifically, he has a whole passage on not judging. Mm. It's all there. And so I would just encourage you as you engage this question and keep on considering Christianity and whether it's worth committing your life to, judge us by our fruits, but only insofar as it reflects the roots as found in Matthew 5 through 7. I hope that's helpful. That's super helpful. In fact, I'm stealing it. Stealing it. (laughs) Perfect. Just attribute it to my philosophy professor. I will. (laughs) We've got one more episode of our skeptical podcast. The best one yet. The best one yet. Do you want to give us the title for the upcoming episode? Yes. We're going to talk about, is it narrow-minded that Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven or the Father or the afterlife, whatever you believe? Is that narrow-minded? So if you have that question, make sure to tune into that episode. Thanks for joining us.